We're glad you could join us today. Here's Fred Kuhn. Welcome, everybody. We continue our Military to Civilian Career Transition series with Tom Wolfe. This series is very important because Tom and I are sharing with you some real hands-on, get this done this way, and you'll probably be successful tips. This is not theory. This is actual get it done this way, and you probably have a lot better chance of surviving on the battlefield. So Tom Wolf is just a great guest. Tom is a Naval Academy graduate. He uh, is a published author. One of my favorite books on military transition, Out of Uniform, Your Guide to Successful Military to Civilian Career Transition, and uh, just a great guest here on the show. Tom, welcome again to the podcast, and uh, welcome to the U.S. at Work. Well, Fred, thank you so much for having me back. I'm looking forward to uh, today's session and, and sharing uh, information with uh, the listeners. Hopefully, we'll help them um, make an immediate impact upon whatever stage their transition happens to be. So today, in this podcast, let's focus on two big areas, and then also on what you call your resume enhancement value. So let's start with interviewing. Let's get right down to the the nub of it. Interviewing. What is it, Tom? And what are you really trying to accomplish in an interview? How do you structure an interview? How do you control the interview? I've got 50 questions, but let's start with (laughs) your thoughts on the interview. I think it, if, if an individual who's preparing for interviews, getting into the, the transition, if they think about an interview, what an interview is supposed to be, it's supposed to be an exchange of information between two parties in which both parties are on equal footing. Neither party has an advantage. One party has openings to fill. The other party is looking for a job. They come together. There, there's different ways that interviews are caused to happen. But when the interview takes place, typically it's face-to-face. Sometimes it's on the phone, but in most cases it's face-to-face. Here's what to remember at that point. You're not in that interview at that point for them to decide whether or not you are qualified for that job. If you weren't qualified for the job, you would not be in the interview. You would have been rejected based upon your paperwork, i.e. your resume. So even though in the interview they're going to want to refer to your experience, you need to keep in mind that the real reason you're in there is because you want to sell your potential and you want to show interest and you hope, don't try to be, but you hope to be likable. If you try to be likable, for most people, the the opposite happens. You hope that you're likable as a matter of your natural presentation. So as you're thinking about interviewing, what you should remember is this. Interviewing is nothing more than a series of questions asked and questions answered by both parties. Make sure that the questions you are asking are designed to show interest and gather information and keeping in mind what's important to the interviewer. One of the best ways to conduct a successful interview is to tell a story is to illustrate your point, illustrate your strength, not by simply saying, I'm a really good juggler. Well, guess what? I'm going to want you to juggle to prove that's true. So rather than just tell me that you're a good juggler, tell me how you won the national juggling championship last year, because now you have added meat and proof to what you're telling me is one of your talents. I will also remember that story uh, because of the human nature of it 
much yes. short, more than I would simply remember the fact that you know how to juggle. I'm going to add uh, for the audience. I'm going to add some thoughts to work off of what Tom Wolf has told you. The interview is a two-way street, just like Tom said. It's for them to ask questions. It's also for you to ask questions. But what kind of questions do you ask? All right. This is where we go back to the last podcast in which you have done your homework and you know your enemy. You know and done your intelligence. You know who that person is. You know what that company is. You know what their interests are. Also, now you tie that with your competencies, the things that you're good at, just all of the things that you know that you do well, functional, technical, and behavioral competencies. And for every one of those, you should have a story, just like Tom said, you should have a story. And that story needs to have in it what you did, what the resistance was, because that's your money question. That's the H. And the E, the EQ part of it, the behavioral part of it. They're hiring you not only to be good at what you do, but to be build consensus and team. So you've done that before in the military. You've done that all your entire career. So it's all about being good at what you do and getting other people to work with you to make that better. So if you have that story, you can structure it if you want to. And something I wrote in my book, Tom, my first book, Ready, Aim, Hired, which is the share, the situation, the hindrance, the action, result, and EQ. Because the H is your money question, and the E is the do I play well with others question, because they're not going to hire you if you don't, they don't think you're going to fit in. So the fit is very important. So if you use a share story for every competency you have, what you can do then is ask the interviewer something about their company, about them, about whatever you've done in your homework research and intelligence gathering, and you already know the answer. So you can pull out one of your stories and use that as an example and close with it by saying, is that the type of management leadership you're seeking? Is that the type of whatever it is, the function is, or the skill is? And you can close right through that process in, a, in what is called, not to get too deep here, cognitive dissonance. It's like where the guy's doing the cards and he's moving. The, you've seen this in Vegas and on streets. They move the cards around and you think you know where the ace of spades is and it isn't there. That's cognitive dissonance. So what you want to do is bust up their preconceived notions about you and create that cognitive dissonance with a positive statement. Oh, yeah, this guy can do that. That's what you're really interviewing for. So you ask the right question that you already know the answer to. You give them your story. You close on it. Nobody else will be doing this, and you'll come out on top. It works every time. Fred, that is so powerful, <laughs> and I'm going to amplify it even more. When you look at people who, are, who really know how to interview well, they're very good at it. Here's what I think is probably the skill, the talent that they have that allows them. If I'm interviewing for a job called ABC Job with ABC Company, what I need to do, very simply, very simply for me to say, not simple for you to execute, every word I say, Every example that I give, every story that I tell, every attribute that I emphasize, every question that I ask, it has to be flavored so that the interviewer has no choice but to create a vision in his or her mind in which she or he sees me in the job, doing it well, and smiling. Create the vision. And what you said, Fred you basically have already shared with our audience how you do that. You do that by 
being clever enough to understand your total self package, but also being tactical enough to discuss those things about you, not everything about you, but those things about you most relevant to the position for which you are applying or for which you are being interviewed. When it comes to interviewing Tom Wolf, the one thing I tell my clients is don't be a fool and think you can wing it. You don't go to hmm. battle thinking you can wing it. And this is a battle. You are out there. Last man standing wins. That's the person who gets and negotiates the offer. So you don't wing your life and you don't wing a battle. You don't wing the interview. You prepare, prepare, prepare. And then you got a chance. And that preparation comes in so many different forms. You have to be physically prepared. You have to be mentally prepared. You have to be logistically prepared. It sounds so simple, but the number of people that get rejected, here, here you go, you're going to get rejected. You're not always going to oh, yeah. get the job. You're going to get turned oh, down. Yeah. Well, that's life. But if you get turned down for something you had no control over, then, okay, we'll, call, we'll blame that on life. But if you get turned down because of something you could have controlled, we're going to call that stupid. We're not going to call that life. So control right. the controllable. Here's some basics. Right. Never be late. Never allow your phone to ring during an interview. Never break eye contact. Don't have a, a bad handshake. Don't forget the person's name. Don't forget to use the person's name in the interview. Common interviewing etiquette and interpersonal courtesy is as important as the words that are coming out of your mouth. Absolutely, Tom Wolf. And let me give you one other thing, folks. When you enter a place of employment, you smile and you greet everyone with a good handshake. And if you can, get their name and what they do. Because you never know that the lady who hands you your what do you need water sir would you like that's one approach thank you so very much it's very kind and she's sitting or he is sitting with the president's secretary and says you know i met this guy today he's really nice not like all the others you never know who you're going to meet that's going to be an influencer in this process throughout the company so get everybody's card be nice to everybody affable not put on and it pays dividends as well. They will remember you. You know, Tom, you were talking about the memorable handshake. I remember yes. when I was uh, one time, this guy came in and he had oil or grease on his hands. Now, I mean, you know, it was a, like a lotion. I, mm. I tried to get it off my hands afterwards and it stuck on every, every piece of paper <laughs> on my desk. I mean, I remember that guy 20 years later, 24 mm. years later. I remember this guy. And so things that you do will be remembered either positively or negatively. So think about what you're doing when you, when you go in and enter that building. Think about it and work that. Fred, you know, you, you, you loop back to something we've covered earlier, but it's very important to be memorable in an interview, but you want to yep. make sure you're being remembered for the right reasons, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Here's a, you know, there's a fellow that I knew. He was a, a master sergeant named Figgy, bless his heart. And, you know, you were talking about you're going to get rejected. Here's Sergeant Figgy's comment about everything. Son, that's a personal problem. Suck it up. Move out. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so you are going to get rejected. Uh, we've all had yep. Sergeant Figgy's in our life. <laughs> so oh, under so it, yes. don't, don't feel bad about it, right? It just happens. And so you, if those who are resilient 
pick up and go and they win. And those that take it to heart and make it personal lose. Have you ever met anybody who knows how to snow ski or water ski that never fell down in the learning process, Fred? <laughs> never, ever, never, ever. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many times it took me to get up on skis first time when I was eight <laughs> or nine years old. <laughs> it looked like it was so easy. <laughs> I think it wore out a tank of gas trying to get me up. <laughs> so, Tom, let's talk about. Let, all right, so we've got you've gotten into the interview. You've told your stories. You've closed on your stories. You have impressed the folks. What do you do next? What's the next steps? I have some suggestions, but I'm sure you do too. What's the very next thing you do when you leave the door of that building? What you better do is you better not assume that they'll think you're interested just because you're in that room. You better tell them your interest. And what we're talking about here, what I'd like to call is basically you have to, in sales and marketing terminology, you have to ask for the order, or if you prefer, close the sale. Now, what that means is you also have to know what is the next step, because what you're asking for you're asking for the next step. The next step might not be an offer. The next step might be a second interview. It might be a visit to the corporation. It might be, but whatever it is, you need to know in advance, how does this interview, how do we define success? It's defined successful if you get the next step. What is the next step? Whatever it is, you have to ask for the next step. Don't make them try to read your mind. You tell them how you feel as long as you're being totally honest. I hope I did well today. I am very interested. I understand the next step is a visit to headquarters to meet some of some more people in the decision process. I hope I have done well enough today that you'll recommend me. I want to take that step. Now, to many the people, other thing that I sounds would suggest, bold. Tom, it, yes, it is yes, bold, but it, it is, but you have to be bold. And the, what, the other thing to add on to what Tom Wolf just said was, sit down in your car. The minute you leave that door, sit down in your car and you write down notes. And if you haven't done that in the meeting already, write down if there's one idea that you covered with Bob Smith and another idea you covered with Jim Jones or Sally field, (laughs) then write that down. And when you do your follow-up letter, as Tom has suggested to them, indicating your interest or your email, you can say, and what we're really interested in the conversation you and I had about. And if you remember, I was able to do, it's just another way of retelling that story in a shorter form. So they remember too, it's reinforcing what they heard and you've already closed on. Very important to follow up proper way. You know, Fred, we could spend two or three more podcasts talking about that post-interview activity alone. Well, why don't we do that, Tom? Let's just have Emma schedule another one, and we'll 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 do that. The post-activity is so important, so important. So we we've gotten through the interview. We've done some follow-up. Now they call us up, Tom. We really like you, like to come in, or they send you a letter. Dear Tom, we're offering 125000 Now, what do you do? Well, the first thing you do is you just ask yourself, is this the actual job offer, or is this them applying a filter to me to see whether or not I'm going to want to take the next step? 
So yeah, they're asking you it, not to, they're not asking you to respond. They're asking you to, you ask yourself, uh, is this a yes. filter or yeah. Yes, you do. And if you're pretty certain, that's a great question, Fred, but it gets kind of tricky because it kind of depends upon where in the process, if that subject right. comes up early in the process, as opposed to late in the process, it's probably more likely being used as an excuse to get rid of you. If that offer is made later in the process, if they're throwing a number out there to get your reaction after they've gotten to know you, after they've decided whether or not you can want to do the job, then we're getting to the situation where this is an offer. You should be prepared to react to an offer and you should be prepared to negotiate but you also have to understand that negotiation is not necessarily only about the money being offered. There are other factors involved, and those factors include such things as timing, decision timeline, and very importantly, most importantly, what is called negotiating in good faith. Yes. Never accept the offer when they offer it. You always want to say something like, I really appreciate the offer. Thank you very much. But I'd like to discuss this with my wife, my family, my kid, whatever. I'd like to take a li just a little time to discuss this with my family. They appreciate that. It's honest. And it gives you time to really do what Tom Wolf was just saying and begin to analyze this offer. Yes. You need time to analyze it. You need time to discuss it with people in your life that, whose opinion matters to you. They would be a little, they, the offering employer, would be a little surprised if you were to say yes or no on the spot. I guess if you don't want the job, go right ahead and say no. If the possibility of working for this company in this position appeals to you, then to Fred's point, you want to show gratitude, show interest, and get a sense of, this is where interviewing empathy comes back into it, how much mm -hmm. time... Are they going to allow you to sit on it before responding? And if, if when you're ready to respond, are you going to accept, are you going to reject, or are, going, are you going to negotiate? If you're going to negotiate, which is your right to do so, probably recommended that you do so, don't negotiate the offer on the day they expect your response. You're not being empathetic. You're, you're thinking totally selfishly and you're being a little bit unprofessional and unrealistic. And my, my final, not really, but I'll pretend it's my final thought on this is, if I've offered you a job, and if a week later you call me up and say, Tom, I would like to accept your offer, but I would like to accept it at $20,000 more than you have offered me. Well, you're telling me that the only thing stopping you from accepting this offer is twenty grand. So if I up your offer 20 grand, then you're accepting on the spot. Because if I up it 20 grand, right. and then you say to me, oh, thanks, that's great. Now I'd like to talk about some other things. That is non-good faith That's disingenuous. It's that's disingenuous. Right. That's disingenuous. It's dishonest. Yeah, and they won't hire you. It, don't do it. Now, the other thing is you're sitting in the office with the interviewer. I know we're running a little over time, but this is so important. You're sitting in the office with the interviewer and they say, oh, Fred, we'd like to make you an offer. We really like to have you part of the team. It's a $120,000 base and your benefits are this and this. What do you do right there at that instant? You do the same thing. You say, I'm really grateful. Thank you very much. It's very nice. Now, I have in my book, Tom, 10 answers that you can give. 
that will delay that decision because you do need that time. And sometimes they're testing you, like you said, and you can say, is, are you making an offer? Is this, is, you know, are you, is this an offer for today? Is this something we can negotiate? Uh, if they say, no, we can't negotiate it. If you haven't done your bit in interviewing to convince them that you have a value add greater than that 120000 you might as well just walk out of the room because you have no room to negotiate. May I please have $1,000 more, sir? Well, that's stupid. You need to be, have set this all up. This is not some, this is where you can't wing it. You have to have You're prepared right, in advance. You're right. What is your leverage? No, you can't wing it. What is your justification? Yeah, what's your leverage? What, yeah. On what strength yeah. are you negotiating? You know, we all want more, but wanting is not a lever. That's right. <laughs> it's like kids, you want and need, right? So it's yep. the same thing. I want it. Sure, I want it. Do you need it? No. I mean, or do you need it? Well, you haven't justified it. <laughs> so yeah. listen, Tom, I think we probably ought to have another podcast here. I just, there's so much to cover. So folks, we have been spending a wonderful time with Tom Wolf, who is uh, just a, a great consultant. He's an author, graduate of the Naval Academy, a warfare, surface warfare officer in the Navy, and just a highly experienced expert when it comes to military to civilian transition. Tom, thanks very much for joining us today on the U.S. at Work, and we'll see you on the next podcast because we're going to schedule another one, right? Absolutely, Fred. I've really enjoyed it, and, and I appreciate the time, and I'm honored to be a part of your series of podcasts. Thanks for joining us. If you wish to speak with Fred or you want a transcript of this interview, send an email to podcast at stuartcoopercoon.com. See you soon.